Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. I am Chad Simpson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gian Lemmy. Hey, Chad. Um, not every day that we get to interview our own uncle um, for a podcast, um, and you had that opportunity today. I um, uh, appreciate him so much. Excited for Tom's podcast today. Um, you know, you were on this trip, Gian. We went down uh, to Hilton Head, and uh, I had the chance to spend some time with my, my uncle. And I remember he really just challenged me with the phrase, bloom where you're planted. And that was the first time that I had heard that, or the first time that it stuck with me. But uh, I'm just thankful for, for um, him and uh, his, his voice and my life. And uh, we were really excited to get into this interview. Tom Simpson is the head men's and women's tennis coach at Coker University. And uh, he, he's been many, many places. I don't even think Tom has, knows the years and the resume of where he's been, but he's served time as a uh, tennis pro, a lot in the Hilton Head and South Carolina area. Um, worked his way to, at Smith Stearns Tennis Academy, which is maybe the top three or top five tennis academy you know, in, in the United States. Um, he also spent time as a missionary in South Africa. He spent some time as an associate pastor, and uh, he also went down to Florida as the director of character development and, and college advisor at the Bishop's Gate Golf Academy from 2014 to 17, and now he's back at Coker, and uh, we are so excited to get into this interview with him right now. Tom Simpson, it is an honor to have you on the Christian Coach Podcast, and today uh, maybe it's not just the Christian Coach Podcast, but the Christian Uncle Podcast. I'm uh, thankful to be able to sit down with you. Uh, we've had so many great conversations, and I'm just excited to record this one and, and share it with, with our listeners, but we just like to get right after it here and uh, want to hear from you, but what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, Chad, and I think right away i ended up started looking at uh my life verses and colossians 3 17 says whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus uh giving thanks to god the father through him and i think if we see that uh our occupation and or vocation and our responsibility as a Christian, they should go hand in hand and whatever we are doing. And if we do it first for the Lord, then um, it, it will be reflected in, in our workplace and with the people that we're in contact with uh, and kind of the, the passage that talks about, we can be a sweet aroma. And, uh, and so I once gave a, a sermon and asked everybody, what do you smell like? And, and as Christian coaches, we should smell differently than uh, other coaches. And just from tracking your career, uh, you know, you spent time as a pastor, you've spent time as a tennis pro, and you even spent time in South Africa as a missionary. Um, can you just tell us what did you take from that time as, as a serving as a missionary that you were able to bring back to the courts here in the United States? Sure. Um, one thing that we, we learned right away that things are rarely easy. And, um, and it's, it's one of those, if you think just because you've taught the perfect 
inside out forehand uh, that your players are going to hit it every time. It, it's not going to be so. So, and when I came back from Africa, I mean, we turned on a faucet and we had no water. We went in almost three months, luckily not all at once, but about three months without water. Uh, the village that we moved to did not have electricity when we arrived. And so when you flip the switch, there was no, there was no electrical lines, but the switch was there because we knew electricity was going to come. And so it's, it's being content in all things. And it's uh, also uh, just realizing that in just because in, it's an old Jewish proverb that says, if you want to hear God laugh and tell him your plans. And so it's, it's one of those, we can make the greatest in strategy but and just realize things aren't going to come easy and not to uh, panic, not to sense failure or anything like that. You've just got to be able to uh, see where you're at, where the player's at and and try to work from there. And if if you would have uh, tried to predict what you would have done with your life and your career when you're age 20, <laughs> I'm sure it would have been impossible but how, how were you able to make these moves and, and go um, where God had called you? Um, what was important for you and, and Aunt Felicia to be able to know we're supposed to go here or we need to stay there? Uh, um, well, it, it, it's been interesting. In probably the eyes of the world, my, every time we've had a major change, it's been when we've been successful in the eyes of the world. Um, I was I had worked my way up to be a uh, general manager of a resort down on Hilton Head Island. I went from their tennis director to their general manager because of uh, some weird circumstances of illegal and criminal activities by in management, and I was. Uh, put into the general manager's position. We turned the uh, resort around and living in Sea Pines Plantation. And next thing you know, I have the, and I become a Christian. And we, I was discipled for a couple of years. And we went off from living in Sea Pines and living a big life, in which I had two, I, I owned two tuxedos at one point. And mm -hmm black tie events I was going to. And I went off to seminary and we moved into a mobile home, married housing at, at CIU. And uh, when uh, I planted a church in Bluffton, South Carolina, and it was growing and we got the call to go to Africa. So we went from building and we were actually broke ground and building a house in, in Bluffton to leaving it all behind. And we were in a thatch roof in Africa. And we've seen those kind of things. Uh, and repeatedly, I mean, we helped a, a, a friend start a tennis academy down in Florida, and we had a beautiful condo and, and that was all taken care of and um, our food and making a great salary. And I left and ended up working for about a third of what I was working for then by going back to Coker. So, and it's, it's one of those, I think it's that piece that passes all understanding and knowing also, and this is a big one for probably all young coaches. Um, God will call your family and not just you. And when I was ready to go to 
uh, seminary. My wife wasn't quite on board yet, and uh, and then ended up and I let the I can't be her Holy Spirit, and I let the Lord work on her, and and she was totally on board because it's so important. Because if it's not a unanimous decision I mean, within your your family between the husband and the wife, then it's um, there's going to be a lot of I told you so's and a lot of regrets and those kind of things. And um, you even think about Lot and his wife, who the wife turns and looks back to what she used to have, and then she turned to her pillar of salt. And you, you've got those kind of situations that I mean, God will call both of you and give you that kind of peace. And he opens up doors for us to go to uh, South Africa back then during the year that Mandela was coming into power. It ended up, we were able to uh, raise funds for an entire year in four months. And we were already almost debt free and I mean, sold the car that I had and we were renting a house. So I didn't have a house payment. And so we were able to sell our everything we had and we went and uh, we were able to raise money also. And, and back then it was only $11,000 we had to raise for the whole year. And that included our flights over and back. Wow. And, and so we lived on $11,000 for that year. And, um, but God did that. And that was a God thing where most missionaries now take three years to raise their support before they can go somewhere. And if a, a husband and a wife are not in the, in the same place right now, maybe one feels strongly, Hey, God is calling us here. And one's kind of holding back. Can you speak uh, to that coach? What, what could they do to navigate those relational issues of waiting to be on the same page? A lot of private prayer and, um, there's, there was a line um, Larry Norman, an old Christian rocker, used. And he had been prayed in the back uh, and by sharing a prayer request. And then the next thing you know, it made it into a, a, a Christian magazine and his, his personal prayer request. So it, it would be private prayer, not trying to bully the other one. And, uh, and again, I mean, Trust, trust the Lord to move her heart rather than guilt or shame or any of those manipulative type things that people do to other people. Now, uh, I remember patience for the one praying and the one that felt led. That's good. Um, I remember a conversation I had with you as I was trying to figure out what career path to take. And I remember you told me that you had been able to talk to more people about Jesus on a tennis court than in a church. And that was after you had been serving as a, an associate pastor. Um, but can you just tell me about in 2011, you took over there at, at Coker for your first head, head coaching job in the, in the college game. Can you take me back to that process of decision-making from leaving um, where you were there at Smith Stearns and, and coming to, to Coker? Uh, we were down on Hilton Head. I was full-time at Grace Community Church and had been there off and on in, uh, before I went to Africa. And then after we came back from Africa for 20 years, uh, the church was going through a change. And uh, a consultant 
said that the associate pastor will probably be the first one to be let go when a new pastor comes in. And so he said, just beware. You've got all the relationships. The head pastor is going to want to start some. Uh, we had a fantastic time working also with Smith Stearns, had been there for uh, a dozen years since they had first started and saw that grow. And, and Felicia was in charge of housing and she we went from one house to three houses. And so Smith Stearns was growing. Our responsibilities were growing. Everything was good. Uh, but when when that door was going to most likely close at Grace, there was just a, a great sense of uh, peace to go ahead and look and and see what else is out there. And the last thing in in tennis that I hadn't done, I was a player and played college, played a little on the satellite tour, ended up uh, ran clubs. I'd been at academies. I'd seen so many kids go off and do well at college, and uh, I kept passing off all my great kids off to other coaches. And so I wanted to be one of those coaches that got to uh, go that next level with the player. And so that's what I wanted to test myself and uh, see if I could do that. And I've had a great, great ride in coaching college tennis. And what makes you different as a Christian coach here through the process of coaching in college? What's different about you or your program uh, because of your faith? I, one of my, and the way I sign all of my letters is adding value. And that's at my heartbeat is I want to add value to the player, both as the, as a person and a player. And so both on and off the court. Um, and to add value, the, the interesting thing is uh, it, it can be encouragement. It can be instruction. Uh, I, I can show grace. At the same time, you have a responsibility at times to admonish and, and to correct. And, um, and, but in doing all of those, and I think a lot of coaches, Christian or non-Christian, take some of those roles, but it's doing in love versus, and what I'd said earlier, I think too many coaches probably, and, and it can even be spouses to one another or parents to children try to motivate out of shame or guilt. And, but if your focus is love and your player knows what you're about to tell them is out of your love, it could be the encouragement. It could also be the admonishment, but whatever it may be, if love is the, the baseline of it all, then uh, I think it will be received and and respected that way and versus uh, I, I, John Maxwell has a thing called in the law of the farm, you reap what you sow. And so which way are you in planting? What are you planting inside your players? What are you planting with the people around you? I think one, one area that a lot of coaches struggle and, and Christian coaches especially is just with the, the scoreboard uh, chasing the wins, chasing the trophies, chasing more money. Uh, what role does the the pursuit of excellence or or the wins play in your coaching? We all have it, and and oftentimes jobs are evaluated and on in the W's. Uh, I am blessed with a 
athletic director that also sees value in the total player. And I think that's one of the things that division two, at least in uh, uh, their logo and talks about the total player and the total experience. And uh, so there's other things that matter and besides the, the W's and, and objective uh, goals are very easy to evaluate off of wins, losses, that kind of thing. But if all of a sudden you start taking on some of the subjective goals, you've got the, the player that was a first generation college in person and he's going to get his degree. Uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, in our tennis team, it's an objective thing, but somewhat subjective. We had 11 academic All-Americans for four years in a row. And, and uh, it's, it's one of those, they are going on. I've got a boy that's in now at the UN. He's working at the UN for Sweden. We've got another guy who goes straight from here and he's um, the uh, uh, marketing director for five countries over in Europe. Uh, they took in, there's a worldwide group on college campuses called Enactus. It's a series of business um, extracurricular activities. And, but they ended up, they set up a water project in Myanmar. Uh, they set up a feminine hygiene project in Myanmar the next year. And so they're adding value to other people. It's a self-sustaining business. And I had four, three of the uh, uh, officers were part of my tennis team and out of the four officers. And so, I mean, we are trying to show the, increase the value of, of everyone, giving people the opportunity to in excel in other things, but at the same time, and we're growing their tennis game. And so besides our, um, our, team practice. I always set aside two hours a week for every player for private lessons in which I just in, there's no charge for that. And you just end up, you, you pour that little extra into each one. And so they know that, you know, their game and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's some of those kind of things that I think really pay off that. And, and that, uh, you know, I got a boy that's uh, finishing up his being a doctor in his internship down in Australia. And, and he was the academic um, and uh, high academic of all sports in, in our conference. And then, uh, and then we just got a uh, boy that got the presidential award from all the conference. And so and the boy that got the presidential award played number four, the boy that, is a doctor played two, and and he got in, and those are conference wide uh, things that are voted on by athletic directors and all the coaches. So, seeing that kind of thing, and I think is is just as important as the W's. Mm. That's powerful. I love that you are keeping up with your players and and following through with them as they're they're going out into the world and making a big difference. But how else are you? adding value there at Coker uh, outside of coaching. Uh, I know there's ways that you're um, getting into the university and sharing and, and serving, but can you share that? 
Yeah, um, we started FCA on campus, and um, and that's been an, a great joy. And uh, because of the number of students that we have uh, reached out to, our athletic director even bought the banner and the FCA banner, and has that up in the basketball uh, in our gym where in. Uh, everybody can see that in during any basketball game, and it's at a very prominent position. She's flying that flag for us. Uh, we're touching in 50 to 75 kids uh, in through FCA and discipling through that, uh, also creating leaders through that. Uh, and they run the program, and I'm just kind of an advisor, and I'll speak sometimes, but there'll be days that I won't even and speak off of it. Uh, I have an open door policy and I have athletes from other coaches and will come and uh, come in and see me. And so I'm open that way. I'm also a certified life coach. So I get to share in some of those things that I've learned. And then at the same time, uh, my very first year at Coker, uh, their professor for world religions uh, had to retire and they asked me to start teaching world religions. And I said I would, but I would like to do it comparatively to Christianity. And so I taught for eight years uh, in both the monotheistic and the polytheistic religions compared to Christianity. So I've, I've enjoyed that opportunity also. Do you have a book or two that you would highly recommend to a younger coach? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm, since I'm uh, certified with John Maxwell and as a life coach and Maxwell's couple books uh, mean a lot to me and the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Uh, he, he wrote that as a Sunday school class uh, he taught it as a Sunday school class and rewrote it as one of his first books um, to know where each of the stories have actually come from is fantastic. He also has one, the 21 in indispensable qualities of a leader. Mm. And uh, those two came from, from scripture. If you buy the Maxwell uh, leadership Bible in the back of it, it has all of those. And then throughout the Bible, and he references in each one of the uh, points of the Bible that allowed him to come up with those, uh, those laws of leadership. A um, couple other and good ones in Search for Significance by McGee. And um, that's really important. It, at the very beginning of that book, and McGee says Satan has and the two greatest lies of Satan are you are what you do and you are what other people think. And if you can get that through to a, a young person, their life as an adult will become so much easier. But we, we get into that trap of, again, trying to perform that you are what you do. Therefore, if you lose a match, you're a loser is what society says. But that's not who you are. And especially as a Christian, that's not who you are because you then look to see who you are in Christ. And that is an, an incredible study in itself. Um, the uh, second one is in, of that 
quote was, and you are what other people think, and you can never control what somebody else thinks about you. And so for, uh, if you can let that go and, and be more focused on what the Lord thinks of you, and um, that would be such a better way to live through life uh, rather than trying to live up to everybody's expectations. Um, two other, just I know I read a lot. Uh, a fun, quick fictional read, but probably 10 of the greatest truths out there. A book called The Wisdom Hunter okay. uh, by a man named Arthur. Uh, his 10 wisdom points are some of the best. And uh, a quick little book by Chuck Swindoll, Intimacy with the Almighty. I wrote those down. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. Talking about intimacy with the Almighty, I'm I'm curious for you. What do you do on a daily basis or weekly basis so that you continue to stay close to the Lord? You got to spend time with Him. Uh, time is and what's that look like for you? And I would say, and I'm gonna blow you away. In my there, it's been seasons where I've gotten up at. Uh, two or three in the morning and would study for four or five hours and more so at the beginning of my walk for about six years. Um, and it was very quiet because I had very small children and the only time I had to myself and, and for the Lord was those times. Um, there was a, I, I started that practice getting up early when I took over that uh, resort because I was, we had so many problems at the resort and I kept finding the security guards asleep when I would, if I'd come between two and three in the morning, they'd be asleep. Well, once I got the resort turned around, I got back to going to sleep and there's a line in a Keith Green song, he's risen from the dead and you can't get out of bed. And it just so hit me. So I said, if I could get up to catch a security guard sleeping, and, and to go to work, I can get up and spend time with the Lord. And so I've tried to do that. Um, again, I'm not at that stage of a four or five hour quiet time anymore. Uh, but it, it's one of those, it's daily. And I, I love reading and researching. And so I'm trying to follow in your footsteps and write a book. And so uh, that's, that's where a lot of my time, God has just uh, put on my heart that he wants us to know him and he continues to try to reveal himself to us in his word. And so as you read, you get to know him and uh, he explains himself in so many and great pictures. So that's uh, day, daily, I guess, daily Bible study, uh, reading, prayer, um, obviously fellowshipping with other Christians and this both as a disciple learn and a disciple. And so those kind of things help you grow. Can you tell me what it's like now after, um, being a Christian for, for more 20, 20 or 30 years there? Um, right. The, uh, What's it like, you know, early in your career, you were, you were selling everything you had and moving overseas and um, has things adapted or changed uh, after our, these years of, of following Jesus? 
Yeah, um, that's a good question. It's it's one of those to keep him first, and uh, so I think that one of the things that we have seen is when we get in in the past when we've started to be tempted by the things of the world. Um, it's it's one of those. Uh, those are when we get our heart checked by the Lord, and and we left in the house in Sea Pines on the big job. We we left the building a new uh, new house and the other stuff, and went to Africa. We left Florida and went to back to Coker. And so um, it's non attachment to things of this world. I've got a sticker that in the front of my Bible, and I've got it also in my day timer. And it says, not my home. And I think when I get out of kilter is when I place the the temporary things as utmost importance, and they're not. And it's the eternal things that are the most important. And so um, trying to keep that balance is, is, is probably the thing that we've, we've tried to do. And when, when, you, uh, when you retire one day, uh, what do you want your legacy to be as a coach? Um, that I added value. And, um, and it's, it's one of those that it was done out of uh, that they will have seen Christ in me and through me. And I think that's if I can and do that. And just as Paul said, I mean, some of the people and I've tilled the ground and some of them I planted the seed and some of them watered and some I've been able to reap, uh, but realize that I've done everything out of love. And, and there's a, uh, a, a great um, line in, in Acts and it says, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, you know, and, you know, to, to live. And then when I filled God's purpose in my generation, he can take me home. And so I think that's, that's my goal. Well, I just thank you so much for, um, being uh, such a great mentor and, and voice in my life. I'm thankful that I have your cell phone number and we can have another chat in a week or two to keep this conversation going. But just uh, want to ask, is there any way that I can be praying for you in, in these days? Sure. Um, as, as you know, uh, I've been battling some health issues and just to tell you how temporary our, our bodies and life is the, uh, January, I went into stage five kidney failure, and I've had a couple interesting bouts of weird things happening, but I'm back at it and look to be on the courts. And I've been uh, quarantined since everything shut down in March of last year, and uh, I've just got an okay that I'll be able to get back out on the courts in the middle of next week. And so, uh, Pray for for health. Pray for a kidney, and so I, I'm on uh, a couple lists for kidney transplant. So we're looking forward in the next couple of years, if not sooner, to get a 
kidney transplant. So I would cherish yours and everyone else's uh, prayers on that. We, we will pray for that. Let's, let's pray right now. Okay. God, we, we love you, God, and you, uh, you're good. And we are, we're just thankful that you've called us um, children of God and, and that you saved us. And thanks so much um, for this time that we can chat with, with Tom. Um, thank you for his life, for his coaching, for his ministry. And we just lift him up right now. We pray that you would be his healer. We pray that you would um, help him to get that new kidney. Um, and we do thank you for the, the good news that he can get back on the court next week. Um, we also just lift up my father who, who also has been battling uh, health issues. And we're thankful that uh, Tom and, and my dad are able to encourage each other and uh, spur one another on. And God, we, we just dedicate this day to you. And we pray that you would interrupt it however you want and that you would just give us a divine appointment to share your love, to tell somebody that, that Jesus cares for them and that he died for them. And thank you again just for calling us to be coaches. Thank you for calling us to be uh, your children. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Chad, it was so neat to see the camaraderie between you and your uncle. Um, I had a blast listening to it. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was the strategies that he uses when him and his spouse, your, your aunt, are not on the same page. Um, that never happens to me, um, but just kidding. Um, but I think it, every, every married person, everybody who is in a relationship knows that feeling when you think God is telling you something, but you, your spouse is not feeling the same way. And it was, it was refreshing and enlightening to see and listen to his, uh, his strategies because He's moved around the world so many times, and I'm sure at some at some stages, him and his wife were not on the same page. Uh, that that I loved hearing that too. He's got years of, of wisdom um, to share, and uh, just this phrase, adding value. Um, he he loves that signing his emails that way, and uh, I mean for for him to be getting up at two or three in the morning um, early in his his uh, Christianity um, just shows his uh, his you know, love for, for God and desire to grow closer to him. Um, really excited for the work and the ministry he's doing at Coker. And coach, just remember that the mission field is right where you're at.